is uh, Buddhist Books, Pali Scriptures, Episode 3, in which we do a general overview of what are Pali Scriptures, what is Pali, what are these scriptures, while we wait for uh, the translations of the Pali Scriptures into English to arrive, um, at which point we can dive into those. But in the meantime, we'll get this nice general overview and listen to a lot of my babbling. Uh, if I'm being honest, I'll try to do a bit more reading and a bit less babbling this time. Um, if this is your first time seeing me, click here instead and start with episode one of Dhammapada. There's uh, six episodes, about three hours of, uh, of Dhammapada. That's kind of the most famous of the Pali scriptures. Um, these are the Theravadan uh, Buddhist scriptures, which just means original Buddhist scriptures. I mean, if you ask the Theravadins, they leave off Theravadin unless they're talking to other people and they have to explain that they're Theravadin. Otherwise, it's just Buddhism. Buddhism that wasn't like reinvented a thousand years later and then re-reinvented another thousand years later. You know, Buddhism. It's what the Buddha taught. Hinduism. Monks and stuff. Um, this, I don't know. I just felt like having this. This is Rose Quartz for... Uh, for emphasis if I feel like pointing or something I don't know I don't know why I have this and then this is a candle okay <clears throat> let's get started shall we uh, yeah we did all the preliminary stuff so I'm assuming that you have already seen at least the Dhammapada episodes and part one and part two of Pali uh, scriptures you might have seen more than that. You know who you are if you've seen that stuff. Yeah, anyway. Um, after we're all done with all of Theravada, which, which will take a little while, then we can dive into the Mahayana, at which point I'll insert those 16 episodes that I did already of Lotus Sutra, and they'll be all out of context because they'll be like an older version of me, and then it'll suddenly jump back to me at this age, a little younger, you know, a, a week or so younger. And uh, what is that? Awful scraping noise. Isn't it lovely? Do you like the awful scraping noise? Me too. I'll just share one small personal thing. And uh, for those of you who've read my books, you've already heard this story at least twice. When I was four years old, I used to listen to my dad chanting, oh, maybe three actually, because it was at Cornet. And uh, he'd be in there chanting, oh, and he'd get really frustrated if the neighbors were mowing their lawn or if the gardeners were doing like with the weed whacker some some noise or something he couldn't meditate properly so he he'd get very upset and so in my three-year-old brain i decided that his word is om but my word is chikung and what that means is that my meditation is with the lawnmower with the uh, the weed whacker with the sounds of the cars and the honking and the big truck and the airplane whatever it is the big mechanical noises of course little kids little boys especially like big mechanical noises and airplanes and things like that but uh, but yeah that was the idea as I would sit and I would chant chukung and the more noise the better you know so uh, 
so now I'm 43. I was three then, so it's been 40 years since then. But that still informs, you know, I mean, every single time that I'm meditating and there's some awful noise, especially if it's some terrible scraping noise, then I always think chukung and smile and uh, let it be like, you know, in, in the, when you're listening to the, you know, when you, I'm assuming, are listening to, to various uh, Tibetan Buddhist type music, there's the chanting, the oh, ro, ro, you know, type chanting, and then there's the clang, 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 you know, and all this kind of stuff. So I always, uh, you know, clanging and banging and, and, and trash trucks and people going, you know, it's, it's all part of the, the music of the meditation, right? All right. Now it's silent. Wow. Except for that power saw. Oh, the power saw, the sacred power saw. Help us to get in touch with our inner power saw that we might power saw our way through to enlightenment. Eh? Anyway, <clears throat> let's get started, shall we? At some unknown date, picking up right where we left off, kind of in the middle of the episode two. At some unknown date, probably around the end of Ashok's reign, around uh, 235 BC or BCE, the importance of Sanskrit, which had been in eclipse, began to rise again. And as we can see from the progressive Sanskritization, another word I'm going to use, have you been promulgating the back the backflow of never mind the Sanskritization? Okay, uh, of the Mathura inscriptions and the non-Pali schools of Buddhism, and an attempt was made to translate from the Middle Indo-Aryan dialects into Sanskrit. It is probable that this would have been done in a haphazard way at first, in the same way as the early texts had been remembered and translated from dialect to dialect. With the crystallization of sects and schools, that's S-E-C-T-S, get your mind out of the gutter, um, and schools with the, the crystallization of, well, anyway, yeah, all right. uh, with, the incre- with the increased use of writing from the time of Ashok onwards, it is probable that the use of Sanskrit, Sanskritized forms by the Theravadins became more standardized. As many words with "ized" in the suffix as you can cram into a sentence is preferableized. See what I did there? The tradition recorded in the Sinhalese Chronicles states that the Theravadan canon was written down during the first century BC as a result of threats to the Sangha from famine, war, and the growing power of the Abhyagiri Vihara, those guys, right? Uh, to which the king was more favorably disposed. So this wasn't Ashok, this was a later king. So, okay, so there was famine, what, war also? Yeah, no, famine, and uh, I just read it. Yeah, famine, war, and a, a different, like, what would now kind of be termed Hindu, because everything in India that isn't Hindu or Sikh, or everything in India that isn't Sikh or Buddhist or Islamic, 
or obviously Christian or something else, is, is lumped into the category of Hindu or Indian philosophy, which is, again, haphazard, right? Anyway, so there was a competing philosophy that the king liked more. Ashok liked Buddhism the most and had all that stuff built. Then the, the king during this period liked a different philosophy more. Also, there was war and famine. So they were like, uh-oh, we better write down all the stuff that we've been passing on orally for hundreds of years. And so that's when a lot of stuff was written down. Seems to be what it's saying. Okay. All right. Um, there is no reason to reject this tradition because there are indications that texts were already being written down before this date. It seems probable that the Sanskritization of Pali was virtually fixed at the stage it had reached by the time of the commission to writing, and except for any changes made later by the scribes for the sake of consistency, no further progress was made with the restoration of consonant, of consonant groups. Those changes, which had been made in a haphazard way, as already stated, had probably occurred for specific religious or cultural reasons. It is, for example, you know, I'll take haphazard changes over, like, taboos where it says you'll go to hell if you change a single word of something that repeats itself over and over, you know? Just personal preference. Anyway, um... Okay, those changes which had been made in a haphazard way, as already stated, had probably occurred for specific reasons. Already stated a third time by me because I reread it. It is, for example, probable that the authentic Middle Indo Aryan from Bamhana, Brahman, had been replaced by the Sanskrit form Brahmaya because of the strongly anti-Brahmanical flavor of the Buddha's teaching. Remember Dhammapada, that last chapter, where he's like, eh. I mean, I wouldn't say it's anti-Brahman. It was very pro-Brahman. What it was was anti-Brahman families and caste system. It was, uh, you know, very, it praised real Brahmins, but it defines them, right, as holy men who are actually holy, not holy because they came out of the orifice of someone who came out of the orifice of someone who was supposedly holy, that he wasn't into, right? Remember that? Anyway, so they changed the word, hoping that people, <laughs> a few people have done that, right? Facebook to Meta, Rajneesh to Osho, well, you know, there's not a total one-to-one -one equivalency with all of these examples, but sometimes people change their names right around the time that their reputation has suffered, right? Okay. All right. Um, it was perhaps of little value to condemn the Brahmins or to maintain that a Buddhist Brahmin was better than a true-born Brahmin if the recipients of the attack did not recognize their name in the Middle Indo-Aryan guys. Oh, very clever, very clever. Oh, you're talking about something else. I'm a Brahmaya. That's, that's something else. Silly. Silly, silly. <sighs> time plus tragedy plus time equals comedy, right? Is, is 2,000 years long enough? Depends on who you ask and what you're talking about, I suppose. Certainly 1,400 years isn't enough for some folks. 
I'm just picking a random number. What are you thinking of? That? You're going to bring that up? Well, gee, careful. You might offend someone. Okay, anyway. Mm-hmm. Doop-dee-doo. Once the BR group, the BR hyphen prefix group, had been restored in Brahmana, then the way was open for its restoration, their quotes, I'm not doing like air quotes, like restoration. It wasn't really a restoration. They're, they're calling it a quote restoration as opposed to a restoration that's not in quotes. Anyway, um, in other words, e.g. is that example, but i.e. is in example, e.g. comment below. I don't feel like Googling it. Um, e.g. Uh, Bruhetti. Even if it were not historically justified, on the other hand, there was no specific need to restore PR hyphen, you know, the PR prefix, even though one might have expected the treatment of voiced and unvoiced labials in conjunction with uh, R hyphen R hyphen to have been identical. Yeah, I, that's what I would have expected, right? What are we talking about? Um, although the chances of major changes being made to the language of the canon must have diminished once the text had been written down, nevertheless, there was room for a certain amount of minor emanation. Have you been plomergating the backflow of the emanation of the... Um, totally... Anyway... None of, the, none of that was great. Um, to take place in the course of the centuries-long scribal tradition. Right? If I do this, when I, uh, when I was like, I don't know, seven or six years old, I'd go to my grandparents' house and they'd be watching Jeopardy and uh, Alex Trebek, may he, blessings to him on whatever plane he is in today. But anyway, Alex Trebek would give the, the answer and then people would be trying to come up with the question, right? Ringing, ringing, you know. And I'd be like, oh, oh. And then when, when he, someone would answer and he'd say, that's correct. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. And my grandparents were like, wow, he's, he's really smart. And my mom was like, no, he's, he's just faking. He's fooling you, you know. <laughs> so I, was, I was a naughty kid. And I'm still a naughty kid. I'm doing it when I don't have any idea what they're talking about. Then I go... Oh, right, yeah. Anyway, it's a little bit more transparent. You are my grandparents. You're not falling for it. This episode brought to you by... Okay. It's very popular in India, unfortunately. Um, a CEO talking about how people are deluded if they think that clean water should be for everybody. It's like, really? Because you want a dollar every time someone gets clean water? So therefore, you think we're deluded to think that everybody should have access to clean water? That we're like uh, entitled? This entitled, entitled generation thinks that humans ought to have clean water? That's Nestle. That's, that's the CEO of Nestle. So first one against the wall when the revolution comes. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just had a little frog in my throat there. I think I got it out. Um, okay, where were we? Although the chances of... We already read that. Uh, once the polygrammarians has had begun 
to classify don't have revolutions, not those kind of revolutions, not the Maoist kind. I, I met someone and her grandparents and all of her brothers and sisters were murdered in these like Maoist, you know, like they brought them out of their house because it was a nice house. Not that they had done anything wrong, not that they had done anything immoral or in the money, but because they had a nice house, they were shot. It's not a cool way to go, you know, like that the systemic imbalances are an issue. That's not the solution, you know. To do that and then cover it up and then put the guy who did it on all the money and then like force everybody to, it's not a good way. I'm not really into the CCP, if you hadn't noticed. My, my dad was born in Shanghai, China, and uh, his dad was, you know, worked there for many years and was, you know, collected Buddhist things like the Vimalamitra statue over there. And uh, yeah, there were problems. Under the Republic, there were problems. I mean, they weren't as bad as, you know, under some of those dynasties before that, but man, Mao and everything that's come since. Not into it. You know, I'm, what I'm really not into is, you remember, you remember, like, are you old enough to remember when Hollywood used to make movies about Tibetan Buddhism? Remember? Back in the 80s, back in the 90s, they stopped. Mulan was the last one. Mulan. Uh, uh, Kundun, Mulan. Kundun was the last one, and then the uh, the CEO of Disney like apologized to the prime minister of the Chinese uh, Communist Party and said it was a foolish mistake. And you can't find it on Amazon. You can try to order it on DVD, but you can't stream it. The Dalai Lama's niece played the Dalai Lama's mother. He helped make the movie. It's a brilliant movie. It was the last one. Why? Because Hollywood is following orders from people who sell the organs of Tibetans to rich people and then claim to be communist. And then enforce that everybody cover it up. Everybody has to cover that up. And if you talk about it, then your persona non grata and Al Jazeera sponsored by the Qatar government. Okay, I'm going far afield again. I'm talking about politics and talking about shit I they you know can say I know nothing about. I know enough I know enough to spot bullshit when I see it. Ah, yeah. And I went I already went and did my, my pilgrimage to Shanghai. I had to see where my father was born, you know? So I don't need to go back. And uh, after all the stuff that even just what I just said in the past half, an, half a minute, um, I, it would be wise for me not to go back, you know? <laughs> I might find myself in the same cell with those Canadian guys that did nothing. Anyway, all right, where were we? Once the polygrammatic... I haven't even been checking the time. I think I've been doing all right. I've been reading. I got through like half a page so far. That's more than usual. Um <clears throat> There is evidence that the opinions of the commentators sometimes had a bearing upon the readings which the scribes handed down. Yeah, 800 years of that, you end up with the Lotus Sutra. <laughs> Sorry, just kidding. Not really kidding, but, you know, trying not to you know, keep talking crap about that because, you know, the Avicii hells. What if they're right? Shit, I better accept Jesus as my personal savior and accept the Lotus Sutra as the word of Buddha. Otherwise, I might end up in two hells, right? Kidding, twice. 
Okay. And it seems likely that their knowledge might also uh, well it might well also affect the phonology and morphology. I've got to start writing down these words. I love these words. Uh, they transmitted. It has, and just using them constantly, just every day. I'll go to the shop next door, you know, and just be like, "Hello, phonology, <laughs> morphology." Palmergating. I don't even remember what that word is. Plomergating, palmergating. Anyway, those of you who went to school for the proper amount of time uh, are probably laughing at me. All right. It has been uh, said with some justification that the poly of the canon, as we have it now, is a reflection of poly in the 12th century. Well when the influences of the polygrammatarians was at its highest. Hmm, all right. It was to be expected that Pali would show the influence of Sanskrit because it was copied by scribes who were influenced by the grammatarians, who were themselves influenced by Sanskrit. Uh, but we must also recognize the fact that as Pali became the religious language of Buddhism in Kalon, Ceylon, Kalon, anybody? Comment below. And Southeast Asia, it was used by a variety of persons as a second language. This led, inevitably, to the introduction into Pali of features of their first language. Mm -hmm. More particularly of vocabulary, but also of syntax. Studies of polytexts written in Ceylon show clearly the influence of Sinhalese Prakrit and Sinhalese, and also Dravidian, probably through the medium of Sinhalese. Anyway, uh, the, in the same way, texts written in Burma or Thailand may reveal features of Burmese or Thai. All Hinayana, mm, canonical texts, show evidence of being translated from a dialect of Middle Indo-Aryan. The northwestern Prakrit of the Gandhari Dhammapada has features, e.g. dental, really? S, oh, okay, S, where retroflex S, all right, is expected, which prove that it has been translated from some other Prakrit. The Sanskrit of the Sarvastivadin texts from Chinese Turkestan in the Mula Sarvastivadin texts, you know, those, uh, mm -hmm, from Galgit, right, shows in general less Prakrit features than the language of the Mahasangika Lokotaravadin texts, those texts, although the latter, mostly known only from a single manuscript, are not consistent in their degree of Sanskritization. Their version of the Dhammapada, for example, has restored some retroflex and palatal syllabants. May many long vowels before consonant groups and some consonant clusters containing R, but very few containing V, e.g. absolutives having the ending ua, or uh, excuse me, T-T-A with a line over it. 
There's probably a word for that, right? The nominative singular ending is suffix o. In the bhiksuni vinaya, on the other hand, the absolutive ending is tva. Uh, uh, and the nominative ending is ah, of course. Of course. So is bodhisattva absolutive? I suppose so. The question is, what is absolutive? Hey, Edward, Google that. Got to Google at least one thing once in a while. Come on. You can put down the controller. Link will still be there when you're finished Googling. I'm sorry you have to listen to me drinking this cup of... Okay, so we're moving on to section three of chapter one of volume seven of A History of Indian Literature. I look forward to when those other books arrive. Then we can start diving into some actual English translations of some Pali text. Because um, even once we get to the point where we're talking about it, it just says, okay, in this one, it talks about this, it says this, it's similar to this other one, and then there's the 216 of these. Next! And it's like, okay, overview. Like I said, this is an overview. Basically, like, an hours-long table of contents is uh, this part of the Pali scriptures portion of the Buddhist books playlist on YouTube. I mean, ultimately, you know, we've got to, like... It, it's it's right there next to the uh, the reaction videos to the Bo Burnham you know like uh, music videos about how dumb pop music is you know so it's it's like whatever like John Stewart used to say we come on after socks you know crank calling each other when the uh, Fox News or CNN would tell him you know like well you have a journalistic responsibility too it's like well it's nice to have no responsibility whatsoever. <sighs> Sigh. Okay. A history of the Theravadan tradition. Okay. All the schools of Buddhism agree that there was a council held soon after the death of the Buddha. According to the earliest version found in Pali, there was a meeting of 500 bhikkhus. 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 Remember in, uh, well, anyway, I where, uh, where Mahakasapa, or Mahakasyapa, asked Upali about the Vinaya. It's nice to, like, okay, confirmation that Mahakasyapa was a real guy. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know the, those early disciples, they didn't make up the names of, of these guys. But uh, one of the, uh, the stories about, like, where the lineage of Zen comes from, that it came by way of Bodhidharma, but that Bodhidharma's lineage goes back to Mahakasyapa. And the lineage was transmitted when Buddha picked up a flower and smiled. And Mahakasyapa smiled back. And all the other disciples were like waiting for the Buddha to say something. They were like, are you going to say something about the flower? But Mahakasyapa was like, yeah, yeah. And that was the lineage of Zen that was passed all the way through Bodhidharma and someone had to cut off his arm to learn it from Bodhidharma and then it eventually went through you know, Hanshan and Shide and, and all these people until it finally arrived in Japan with Ehidogen. I mean, it, there were branches, of course, other branches that went out different directions, but anyway, that's Mahakasyapa as far as I know him thus far. Naturally, we're going to learn more about him 
as we read. So, reading is good, right? Literacy is good. Uh, let me finish a sentence because I know how I am. If I, you know, if I don't put the brakes on at 28 minutes, then we'll end up at 35 again. Although I'm not planning on showing anything. Should I show anything? No, I'm not planning on showing anything at the end. That was a nice little treat, wasn't it? Um, by the way, that music, if you look in the description of the second episode of Poly Scriptures on this Buddha Books playlist, um, you'll see a link to the rest of that. The music, the music they're singing in the caves was Theravadan monks in California. Um, and they were singing in Pali. And uh, so it was like old school Buddhist chanting. So I thought it would go well with the caves. Whereas in the previous one in Lumbini, birthplace of the Buddha, that was the Heart Sutra, Mahayana Sutra, nonetheless, but uh, in Sanskrit, in the old Sanskrit, as opposed to where I usually play the, the medieval Japanese version, you know. Oh, that's where I derail. I gotta gotta practice. Okay, let's finish the sentence, shall we? Um, According to the earliest version found, okay, where Mahakasyapa asked Upali about the Vinaya, questioning him about the rules of the Patimoka, where the offense was laid down, with respect to whom, on what subject, etc. Am I supposed to know what this is referring to? I guess I am. This is for scholars, after all, not me. Uh, he then questioned Ananda about the Dhamma, or Dharma for you Sanskrit folk, um, starting with the Brahm, Brahmajala Sutta of the Digha Nikaya, and then the Samanafala Sutta, and so on, through the five Nikayas. We're going to end on that? Yeah, we're going to end on that. Um, but I can tell you that depending on how this email and the phone call goes in the next few hours, that at some point in hopefully the relatively near future, we will have those documents um, translated into English in, in, in a shelf, all, you know, all the Pali Sutras probably on their own shelf, and then the, uh, the, the rest of the Buddhist books will have to be bumped down to the third shelf. Um, that'll be fun. And then, see I've got like the, the Indian things, I've got the Vedas over here, then yoga books, then, then like, uh, Sikh, and the, the Sikh is the transition from left to right. Should I use this? So, so there's the Vedas, there's the yoga books, there's the Sikh books, and then over here we've got like Old Testament and Gnostic and, and uh, Sufi stuff and like basically Western. Now this whole shelf is, as of now, Dhammapada, and then Mahayana, 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 Vajrayana, Vajrayana, Japanese Vajrayana, Zen, and then my dad's old New Age guru. Um, so, so all of that, all, all of this is going to bump down to here. And this will be full of Pali Sutras. And that makes me sing in my heart. Um, but as of now, that next shelf is like my books. I've got like multiple copies of all my books. That's uh, Thomas and the Wolf, Small Mount, the, the Small Gray Mouse, Taco. And then I published my dad's book, Transformations. And uh, Sonnet One, which is a computer program I wrote, and he wrote the poetry, right? 
familiar with Tron, then you have a little bit of an idea what I'm talking about as far as that goes. And then the recent Smaller Mouse, I haven't gotten my copies of Smaller Mouse yet, so that's not there. But I've got them next to like Dune and Shakespeare, you know, just because I have no ego at all. And uh, then books written by people that I know. So that's the, this is the books written by people that I know, and also Shakespeare and Dune. And, uh, few other things, Scott Peck and, and things like that. So I'm going to have to find another place for this stuff because that's going to be where most of the Buddhist, the Mahayana and Vajrayana and Zen go. And then down here we've got all my like occult and new age stuff, um, you know, Golden Dawn stuff, stuff from my former life. And then down here, as of now, we've got basically graphic novel, graphic novels, comic books, and Carl Jung. Yes, they do go together, um, actually. So a lot of like interesting illustrations in the, the, the black books on the red book from Carl Jung. You heard me like Speed mention all that in the previous episode. And then the Inkal and uh, Jodorowsky's uh, graphic novels and uh, the Matrix graphic novels. And <clears throat> Farside, complete Farside collection. And uh, the Three-Body Problem. I want to read that. I haven't gotten to it yet. Okay. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and close before I ramble on for another 20 minutes. Thank you all for, uh, again, going on this ride with me. And um, whoever you are, and in whatever time, probably the future, right? I don't think these videos are going to be seen by people in the past unless something really weird happens. Okay. Right. Okay. To the north and to the south. To the east and to the west to the spirits of light among us, and to the spirits below. We send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace.